Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Luke chapter 1 is where we are. Luke 1 and 2 is the traditional passage that we always look at for Christmas. And as I was studying, reading through, something grabbed me that I have never seen before. Now, I've been reading and studying the Bible a long time, but don't you just love it when the Lord shows you something that you've never, ever noticed before? And of course, my assignment was to share it with you. Usually, I would just dive right in to the Christmas message on the appearance of the angel to Mary, and for these three Sundays, part there, but I want us to go before that, and let's begin with chapter 1 and verse 5. I'm going to read through a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to look into some deeper into this book. Verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now understand that Aaron was the father of the priesthood in the Old Covenant. Aaron was a brother of Moses. He had a sister named Miriam, if you remember. They were both leaders with and under Moses. But here you have uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and look at verse 6. They were both righteous before God and walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he, Zacharias, was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense, that was a call to prayer, when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your, do- and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And how many of you know what his last name was? Baptist, yeah. Just thought I'd throw that in. And you will, verse 14, will have joy. And gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For, now, bear down now in your attention, he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. What was the deal about wine and strong drink? Well, he was a part of a sect of priests called Nazarites, and this particular group of priests did not cut their hair. They did not drink any alcoholic beverages. They were kind of a special group of priests. 
uh, called Nazarites throughout the history of the priesthood. You can read about that in the book of Numbers. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Wow. Think about that for a minute. In the spirit and power of Elijah. You do remember about Elijah, don't you? What a powerful man of God he was. Do you remember that? And Elijah was revered as one of God's amazing champions by the Jews. You do remember that Elijah at one point was so under the anointing of God that he called a meeting of all Israel and had a showdown between the God Baal and the Lord God Almighty. Remember that King Ahab and Jezebel, his wife, had fallen and led the people astray, and they were worshiping Baal. And Elijah stood up to King Ahab and Jezebel and all of the nation of Israel, and he called for a showdown. And remember, Elijah was the man who stood on an altar and called down fire from heaven that licked up the sacrifices on that altar and, was, and led to repentance of the whole nation beginning to forsake Baal and turn back to the Lord their God. What a champion. Now this, when you say he's going to have the spirit and the power of Elijah, you're talking about an incredibly significant anointing. He will, verse 17, go before him. That is, he will go before him. That is, he who is to be born in the spirit power of Elijah to here's what I want you to get. Why is John the Baptist coming? We've all known that John the Baptist's ministry was to preach repentance and to prepare people for the coming of the Lord, the advent. But notice what Elijah's assignment was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how, can, how, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. Notice he didn't call her old. He just said she was well advanced. <laughs> There's a little wisdom there, brothers. I'm an old man, but I have a well-preserved wife. How am I doing? Verse 19, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. Gabriel was a significant angel who, who, you're going to see him appear to Mary as well. Wow. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you shall be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. You see, it's kind of valuable, it's kind of important to believe the Word of God, especially when a personal agent shows up in your presence. Amen? The people waited for Zacharias and Marvel, verse 21, he lingered so long in the temple, but when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived he'd seen a vision in the temple For he beckoned to them and and remained speechless. And so it was, 
As soon as the days of his service were completed, he departed to his own house, and after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. You have to understand that in the day in which these scriptures were written, it was it was a reproach, it was a curse for a woman to be barren. It was something that was inferior. It was something that was not given much understanding. And uh, not only was it looked on that way in their culture, but many women took it on themselves. Thank God that through the Lord Jesus Christ, that curse and all that garbage and bondage has been broken. Amen. You're not to walk in that. By the blood of Jesus and all the curses of tradition and the way people see and perceive things. But what I want us to get back to today is I want, this is what came to me. The preparation for the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was brought through a man whose main message, go back to verse 17, here is the main message, the main assignment of John the Baptist who would prepare the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's his message. I want you to go in the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Do you know that this is a quote of a prophecy that is recorded for you in the book of Malachi? But in the book of Malachi, that prophecy said that God is going to send someone to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. But the angel of God did not put that last part in. He said, I am sending you I'm sending you, John, I'm going to send John, and this is your mission, to turn by the power of the Holy Spirit, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. God is trying to say to us, for us to really get into and worship the coming of the Lord Jesus, that we are to go to school on this and to ask ourselves, how does this apply to me? Something was missing. Something was out of order. Something needed to be exposed and repented of, or the Lord would have never given John the Baptist this assignment. Well, who are the fathers? As you look at Scripture, you find out that the fathers are not only those who are spiritual fathers, not only those who were biological fathers, but they were national fathers. They were family leaders. They were respected, regarded, revered. Over and over again in the scriptures you hear your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then you hear about Moses. Then you hear about David. The patriarchs of the faith. You also hear about some of the spiritual mothers. You hear about Deborah, you hear about Esther, you hear about Mary, you hear about Priscilla, you hear about Miriam, you hear about Lois, you hear about Eunice. There are spiritual parents that are mentioned over and over and over again in Scripture. And in those days, there was a high regard, especially 
for those spiritual fathers. And what they expected was the spirit of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be transferred through the spiritual leaders in their culture, in their worship. Culture and worship. Spiritual fathers. So notice that what God is saying here is to prepare the way of the Lord, here's the assignment. Turn the hearts of the fathers, those spiritual national family leaders, to the children. Wow. Notice the assignment was to turn and return the hearts of the fathers to the children. What does that imply? The culture to which John the Baptist was sent, something very, very disturbing, something destructive had happened, and that was the fathers had withdrawn from the children. The fathers had withdrawn from the children. Do you recognize and you're going to get different statistics, but close to 50% of all the children born in this country are born without a father in the house. John, John's mission was not to try to bring about a spirit of fatherhood to the fathers who weren't in the house. It was to turn the hearts of the fathers who were in the house. The fathers had removed their fatherly love and responsibility from the children. And I want to tell you today, church, I believe the Lord has spoken to me that what we need to do to prepare for the celebration of the advent of Christmas and the coming of Jesus and his ministry is all of us as spiritual parents need to take a strong look at ourselves under the direction of the Holy Spirit and have our hearts turn back to our children. I want to ask a question today. Have you in any way withdrawn your heart from your children? I'm talking about your biological children, and I'm talking about those who look to you as a spiritual mother or father. Notice the word here is return, turn back, the fathers to their children. And notice it says return their hearts, the hearts of the fathers, your presence. Your counsel, your, your, your approval of who your children are. You don't have to approve of everything your children do, but do you approve of who they are? Do you affirm them? Do you let them know that you believe in them? You can do that without approving of every choice they make. Affirmation and approval are not the same thing. Affirmation is deep. It has to do with who you are. Approval can come and go as to what you do. Deep. Affirmation. The return of the fathers to the children. The affirmation of who you are. It's painful for, to live 
without the affirmation of your, of your fathers, your spiritual, biological parents. It's painful. And you know something else? Most people live their whole lives desperately, internally desiring the approval, especially of a father, and many of them die without it. It's killing, killing them. There is something innately by creation on the inside of every person born into this world that desires the affirmation of a father. Many of you are 40, 50, 60 years old, and you know there's some you you know that your your father loved you, but you just way down deep in your soul, you desperately desired to know that he believed in you, that he was for you. The coming of Christmas is a call to repentance for spiritual fathers, biological fathers. Notice Does everybody know what I'm talking about? If that stays broken, there is a hole in your inner man. And notice that the reason that John the Baptist was sent, and he was sent to preach to those Jewish religious leaders and all of the, those who were under their following, the attitude of their religious leadership was rooted in outward performance, self-righteous attitudes. They began to get legalistic. If you don't do this, 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 and this, then you're not as spiritual as you ought to be. You, you call them the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus called them the Sadducees as well. They were those spiritual leaders who stressed outward performance rather than giving their hearts to, the, to their spiritual children. Jesus said to these people, you are, you, you're dead on the inside. Jesus even said to them, he said, your father is the devil because he's a liar and the father of lies. So John was sent to turn the attitudes of those who were supposed to be spiritual fathers back to the heart of their children. It had gone, it had left. They, oh, they embraced religion they, they promoted and they were all into self-effort, but they had no intimacy with the Father. You're full of dead men's bones, was their indictment. Well, I had to ask myself this question, Lord, since I'm the spiritual father of so many, show me where I'm missing it. Correct me. Convict me of my sin. I want to get this. The heart of the fathers are to be turned to the children. What attitudes causes the father's heart to distance themselves from the children? Number one, a disconnection of interest. Fathers' hearts leave the children when our work 
is paramount. When we are so absorbed in our work and in our own activities, that might be work, it might be leisure, it might be habits, it might be fun things, but when we get absorbed in those things that are outside the heart of our children, then our hearts need to be returned. God gave you a covenant with those children. He didn't give you a covenant with your job. Your work is an assignment. It's a ministry. But it's not a covenant. We get so preoccupied with our own activities and self-absorbed. Another thing that, uh, an attitude that causes our heart to, to, be, to come away from our children is a failure to affirm their value. Are y'all listening to me, gentlemen? I said, are you listening to me? This goes for mothers and fathers. We must not let the standard of our affirmation to our children be based on what our measure of success is rather than what God's is for them. We are withdrawing our heart from our children when we make them think that because you have not done this or you haven't done that, or you hadn't made this much money, or you're not known by this group, we are withdrawing our heart from our children because we're setting up our own standards of affirmation. We will not affirm them unless they go by what we think is the way they ought to go. What is your measure of success, gentlemen? What is mine? Is it how much money you make? Is it where you live? Is it where you went to school or how long? Is it how other people see you? Is it if I say to the ministers unto me, you, I'm going to define whether or not you are succeeding based on where I am at this point in my life. How foolish and sinful. I want everybody in here, especially the men, to say this with me. I hereby resign from making my way of success be the measure by which I put on my children. God forgive me. You may not wish you came today. Getting a little deep in here, isn't it? We cannot allow what we think. And you know what? God forbid, there's a handful of you in here who, like me, don't have any more opportunities with your natural children. I don't have many regrets. 
I looked down at my watch this week. I've had this watch for going on 11 years. And engraved on the lock on this wall, I don't, want, I don't ever want another watch. I know you don't even have to have a watch anymore with all the electronic gadgets, but I'm going to wear this watch till I die. And it says on the lock, quoted out of Bryant's funeral service and given to me, my biggest fan. Even though I was his biggest fan, and I don't have any eternal regrets, I have twinges occasionally of a regret, and I want to tell all your dads this today. I want you to listen to me. Sometimes I regret that when he expressed a special interest in something, I tolerated it. I tolerated it more than I invested in it. I said I tolerated it more than I invested in it. Your child finds something under God as a creative person born unlike you with no mold and they have a legitimate interest in something. Ask them if you're tolerating it. Ask God if you're tolerating it or investing in it. One of the ways that we as spiritual fathers need our hearts to be turned back to our children in preparation, not only for this season, but for their sake and ours, is we need to give them affirmation and let them know that we love them and believe in them, even when they're not. Look, it's especially important when they're living below what you expected of them. Oh, you expected them to be here at this time in their life. You expected them to have this at this time in their life. You need to throw all those away. Let them know you love them and you believe in them. And that's unconditional. Recognize them. Let them know that <laughs> they're valuable. And you ask the Holy Spirit to help you see that they're valuable, they're unique. They're not like anybody else. Let them know that you respect them, that you see them as amazing and specially created. As Psalm 139 says, I'm intimately and fearfully made. Let them know that you are proud of them. Now I want to go to another level here. There's a difference in affirmation and endorsement. There are a lot of people that I am willing to affirm, but not so many that I'm willing to endorse. When it comes to the children God has given you, I don't care if they're 60 years old. 
when it comes to the children God has given you. The return of your heart to your children is not only affirming them and letting them know how valuable they are to you, not only letting them know that you love them unconditionally, that you are for them, you need to endorse what they're doing. Do you know a lot of grown children today are still struggling internally because mom and dad or one or both of them have never said, you know what, I want you to know I am proud of what you are doing. I'm proud of what you're doing. I believe it. Tell me more about it. Help me understand why this is so important to you. It is not just affirmation, it is endorsement. And many, many people live and are living right now never having had a spiritual mother or father say, I am proud of what you're doing, I believe in you, I think it's wonderful. Because it didn't quite live up to the expectations they had of what the child should be doing at their age and stage. The spirit of Christmas is a time of conviction for the Holy Spirit to say to me and to say to you, repent from that. You want to get ready for joy? You want to get ready for light? You want to get ready for the love of God to be poured out in your heart? You want to get ready to experience the celebration of Him who has set us free? Then begin to deal with the return of your heart to your children. We need to return to our children when we've developed a critical or judgmental spirit. Our spiritual and biological children are more sensitive to our criticism than anybody else. Let's don't get into the arena of the Pharisees judging by all externals. The heart of the children can also be a heart of turned away from the God by abuse. You know, abuse is a whole lot more than sexual or physical. Verbal and emotional abuse and withdrawal are sometimes a lot more painful than physical. Let me say this to those to whom I minister and our message goes out really all over the world now. There is never, ever, ever a reason for a husband, a father to strike his spouse or child in anger. Ever. Ever. Guidelines, discipline, if you believe in corporal punishment, make sure that you're not mad when you do it. Amen. Rejection. 
One of the ways that we hurt the heart of our children is to reject those they love. When your children are of a certain age, of course, you've got to counsel them, you've got to set boundaries, and you even set prohibitions on who they can hang with and who they can't when they're of a certain age. But how many of you know that sometimes, sometimes if we are really insecure, we withhold approval of who our children embrace because we really don't want them to embrace anybody to the same measure or above us. May God deal with our own insecurity. We're getting kind of deep in here today, aren't we? I want us to be full and free to enjoy and embrace the Spirit, the Advent, the coming of our Lord Jesus. Well, I would like for you to bow your head with me today, and I want you to join me in doing what I've done this week and ask the Lord to give me a spirit of repentance, correction, show me those areas in my life now as a spiritual father. And you can tell, I didn't read this in a book somewhere. I wrote all these notes, and I looked at them more than I usually do to make sure that it was said the way it was given to me. Would you ask the Lord to show you by the Holy Spirit areas where your heart as a spiritual father or mother should be turned to the Lord? And would you ask God to give you the spirit and power of drawing your children back to the heart of God? There's not a parent in here that hasn't failed. But you know what? It's not our failures that define us. It's how we respond to our past failures. God's Word says that if I will confess my sin where I've fallen short, then He is faithful and righteous to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Would all of you, biological, spiritual leaders, mothers and fathers, would you join me in this prayer today? Just repeat it right after me if it expresses your heart. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, my Holy Father, I ask you, to grant me the desires of your heart for my life. I ask you to forgive me for the ways I've fallen short, for those ways that I've offended my children, those under my leadership. Forgive me in the name of Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, correct me and counsel me in the way I should go. I will repent, and I will start investing through affirmation, through endorsement in my children's lives. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm praying right now for all of these listening to this message, those who are fathers and mothers and grandparents, 
biological and spiritual. I pray for the spirit of spiritual parenthood to rest on us, Lord. Forgive us of our sin as we prepare to celebrate the advent of your coming, the coming of light and life. We pray believing, Lord, that you will hear our prayer. Forgive us of our sin and counsel us with your eye upon us. Oh, let the spirit of parenting rise up within us. May we invest in it. God, I pray that everybody in the sound of my voice will take their own measure of success off their children today and rest it at your feet. May they turn their children over to you, recognizing that it all depends. All that there is to success is whether or not their children are faithful to you. May they cry out that you will capture the heart of their children. Forgive me, Lord, my own shortcomings in this area. Correct me. Show me where I'm missing it and give me the grace and the energy to go forward in obedience. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.